Okay, so I'd like to start off by saying I'm so sorry the last podcast ran so long. I had no idea that that was happening. Like, I I wasn't even until I, like, published it that I realized it was an hour long. And wow. Wow. I am sorry. I, I'm sure it took y'all a couple sittings to get through that. I hope it was worth it. Um... Last time we learned of Brandon's sad story and of Willoughby's backstory. Um, yeah, I really had no idea it would be so long. I, I apologize again. Okay, so today we're going to read chapter um, 10, right? 10 is the one that comes after 9, and we just read 9. I have chapter 10 not opened, so let me open chapter 10. <laughs> um, I don't think there are any chapter notes this time. I think we can just start um yeah i'll i'll ring the bell if i notice anything as we go so here we go with chapter 10 when the particulars of this conversation were repeated by miss dashwood to her sister as they very soon were, their effect on her was not entirely as such as the former had hoped to see. Not that Marianne appeared to distrust the truth of any part of it, for she listened to it all with the most steady and submissive attention, Neither made neither objection nor remark, attempted no vindication of Willoughby, and seemed to show by her tears that she felt it to be impossible. But this was but this behavior assured Eleanor that the conviction of his guilt was carried home to her mind, and though she saw it with satisfaction of the effect of it, in her no longer avoiding Colonel Brandon when he called, in her speaking to him, even voluntarily speaking, was a kind of compassionate respect, and though she saw her spirits less violently irritated than before, she did not see her less wretched. Her mind did not become settled. It was still settled in gloomy dejection. She felt the loss of Willoughby's character yet more heavily than she felt the loss of his heart. His seduction and desertion of Miss Williams, the misery of that poor girl, and the doubt of what his designs might have once been on herself, preyed altogether so much on her spirits that she could not bring herself to speak of even what she felt to Eleanor, and brooding over her sorrows in silence gave more pain to her sister than could have been communicated by the most open and frequent confessions of them. To give the feelings of the language of either of Mrs. I'll try again. To give the feelings or language of Mrs. Dashwood on receiving the and answering Eleanor's letter would only to give a repetition of what her daughters had already felt and said, a disappointment hardly less painful than Marianne's, and an indignation even greater than Eleanor's. Long letters from her quickly succeeded each other, arriving to tell them that she suffered and thought to express her anxious solicitude for Marianne, and entreat that she would bear up with fortitude under this misfortune. Bad indeed must be the nature of Marianne's affliction could be when her mother could talk of fortitude. Mortifying and humiliating must be the origin of those regrets which she could not wish her to indulge. Against the interests of her own individual comfort, Mrs. Dashwood had determined it would be better for Marianne to be anywhere at the time than Barton, where everything within her view would be bringing back the past with the strongest and most afflicting manner, by constantly placing Willoughby before her, such as she had always been with him there. She recommended it to her daughters, therefore, by not to shorten their visit, but to Mrs. Jennings, the length of which, though never exactly fixed, had been expected to compromise at least five or six weeks. 
a variety of occupations and objects of company which could not be procured at Barton would be inevitable there, and yet might, she hoped, cheat Marianne at times into some interest beyond herself, and even into some amusement, much as the idea of both might now be spurned by her. From all danger of seeing Willoughby again, her mother considered her to be equally safe in the town as in the country, since his acquaintance must now be dropped by all who called themselves her friends. Design could never bring them in each other's way, and negligence could never leave them exposed to a surprise, and a chance had less favour in a crowd of London than even in the retirement of Barton, where it might force him and her, while playing that visit to Allenham on his marriage, which Mrs. Dashwood, from foreseeing at first as a probable event, had brought herself to expect as a certain one. Okay, so there she's saying that's the country habit we talked about visiting people. So once he's visited, it's expected he'd take... Once he's visited, wow. Once he's married, it's expected he'd take his bride to go see the lady to whom he's inherent money from. And once they are staying with Mrs. Smith again... It would probably be expected that everyone in the near vicinity of class would come and visit the newlyweds and congratulate them and give them best wishes and stuff like that. So um, Mrs. Dashwood's going to have to put up with that. And she's like, we really don't want Marianne to have to do that because that would be that would be awful. And I so totally agree. She had yet another reason for wishing her children to remain where they were. A letter from her son-in-law had told her that he and his wife were to be in town before the middle of February, and she judged it right that they should sometimes see their brother. Marianne had promised to be guided by her mother's opinion, and she submitted to it therefore without opposition, though it proved perfectly different from what she had wished and expected. Though she felt it to be entirely wrong, formed on mistaken grounds, and that by requiring a longer continuance in london it deprived her of the only possible alleviation of her wretchedness that personal sympathy of her mother and doomed her to such society and such scenes as must prevent her ever knowing a moment's rest but it was a matter of great consolation to her that what brought evil to herself would bring good to the sister and elinor on the other hand suspecting it would not be in the power to avoid edward entirely comforted herself by thinking that though their longer stay would therefore mitigate her own happiness, it would be better for Marianne than an immediate return into Devonshire. Which shows again how the sisters are totally sisters. I mean, they quarrel, they bicker, they don't think they can talk to one another about their emotions, but at the end of the day, they are so devoted to each other. I love it. I miss my sister so much. Stupid COVID. I haven't been able to see my sister in forever. And I miss my sister right now. Okay, moving on. I said moving on and then I lost my place. <laughs> her carefulness in guarding her sister from ever hearing Willoughby's name was mentioned was not thrown away. Mary... I'm going to start again. Her carefulness in guarding her sister from ever hearing Mary, ever hearing Willoughby's name mentioned was not thrown away. Marianne, though without knowing it herself, reaped all its advantage, for neither Mrs. Jennings nor Sir John nor even Mrs. Palmer herself ever spoke of him before her. Eleanor wished the same forbearance could have extended towards herself, but that was impossible, and she was obliged to listen day after day to the indignation of them all. Sir John could not have thought it possible. 
A man of whom he'd always had such reason to think well. Such a good-natured fellow. He did not believe there was a bolder rider in England. It was an unaccountable business. He wished at the devil in his heart. He would never speak another word to him. Meet him where he might for all the world. Not if it were by the side of Barton Covert. Covert? Sure. That they were all waiting for two hours together. Such a scoundrel and a fellow. Such a deceitful dog. It was only the last time they met that he'd offered him one of Folly's puppies. And this was the end of it. Mrs. Palmer, in her way, was equally angry. She was determined to drop his acquaintance immediately, and she was very thankful she'd never been acquainted with him at all. She wished in her heart Combe Magna was not ne so near Cleveland, but it did not signify, for it was a great dear deal too far off to visit, and she hated him so much she was resolved never to mention his name again. She should tell everybody she saw how a good-for-nothing he was. Which is ironic, of course. The rest of Mrs. Palmer's sympathy was shown in procuring all the particulars in her power of the approaching marriage, and communicating them to Eleanor. She could soon tell what coachmaker the new carriage was building. What coachmakers the new carriage was building? No, I said it right. By what painter Mr. Willoughby's portrait was to be drawn, and at what warehouse Miss Gray's clothes might be seen. The calm politeness. The compolite unconcern of Lady Middleton on the occasion was a happy relief to Eleanor's spirits, oppressed as they often were by the clamorous kindness of the others. It was a great comfort to her to be sure of exciting no interest in one person, at least in their circle of friends. A great comfort to know that there was one who would meet her without feeling any curiosity after particulars or anxiety for her sister's health. Every qualification is raised at times by circumstances of the moment to more than its real value, and she was sometimes worried by the officious condolence to rate good breeding as more indispensable than comfort of good nature. Lady Milton expressed her sense of the affair once every day or twice if the subject occurred often by saying, "'It is very shocking indeed.' and by this means of continual though gentle event was not only to see the miss dashwoods from the first without the smallest emotion but very soon see them without recollecting a word of the matter and having thus supported the dignity of her own sex and spoken her decided censure of what was wrong in the other she thought herself at liberty to attend to the interest of her own assemblies and therefore determined rather against the opinion of sir john that as mrs willoughby was at once would at once be a woman of elegance and fortune to leave her card with her as soon as she was married. Colonel Brandon's delicate, unobtrusive inquiries were never unwelcome to Miss Dashwood. He was abundantly interested. He had abundantly earned the privilege of intimate discussion with her sister's disappointment by the friendly zeal which he had endeavored to soften it, and they always conversed with confidence. His chief reward for the painful exertion of disclosing past sorrows and present humiliations was given in the pitying eye with which Marianne sometimes observed him, and the gentleness of her voice whenever, though it did not happen often, she was obliged, or could oblige herself, to speak to him. These assured him that his exertion had produced an increase of good will towards himself, and these gave Eleanor hopes of its being further augmented hereafter. But Mrs. Jennings, who knew nothing of all this, only knew what the colonel continued to look as grave as ever, and that she could neither prevail on him to make the offer himself, nor commission her to make it for him, began to think at the end of two days that instead of midsummer they would not be married to Michaelmas, 
by the end of that and by the end of the week it would be not a match at all the good understanding between the colonel and miss dashwood seemed rather to declare the honours of the mulberry tree the canal and the yew arbour would be all made over to her and mrs jennings for sometimes ceased to think at all of mr ferrers so remember mrs jennings said they'll be married by midsummer marianne and brandon um so at first she goes okay well maybe they won't be married till michaelmas which is a um it was more popularly celebrated than christmas at this time though christmas is gaining in popularity um and michaelmas is like a fall holiday i believe it's like a month or two before christmas um so she changes her timetable and then decides that they're never going to get married and maybe it will be eleanor instead <laughs> and mrs jennings is so funny Early in February, within a fortnight of the receipt of Willoughby's letter, Eleanor had the painful office of informing her sister that he was married. She had taken care to have the intelligence conveyed to herself as soon as it was known the ceremony was over, as she was desirous that Marianne should not be received, should not receive the first notice of it from public papers, which she saw her eagerly examining every morning. She received the news with resolute composure, made no observation on it, and shed no tears at first. But after a short time, they would burst out, and for the rest of the day, she was in a state hardly less pitiable than when she had first learned to expect the event. The Willoughbys left town as soon as they were married, and Eleanor now hoped, as there could be no danger of seeing either of them, to prevail on her sister, who had never yet left the house since the first blow fell, to go out again by degrees, as she had done before. About this time, the two Miss Steeles lately arrived at their cousin's house in Bartlett Buildings, Holborn, presented themselves again to her and their more grand relations in Conduit and Berkeley Street, and were welcomed with them all with great cordiality. Eleanor, was Eleanor only was sorry to see them. Their presence always gave her pain, and she hardly knew how to make the very gracious return of the overpowering delight of Lucy finding her still in town. "'I should have been quite disappointed if I had found you here, if I had not found you here still.' she repeated with strong emphasis on the word but i always thought i should i almost i was almost sure you would not leave london yet a while though you told me you know at barton you would not stay above a month but i thought at the time you would most likely change your mind when it came to the point it would have been a great pity to have you go away before your brother and sister came and now to be sure you would be in no hurry to be gone i am amazingly glad you did not keep your word eleanor perfectly understood her and was forced to use all her self-command to make it appear she did not well my dear how did you travel said mrs jennings not on the stage i can assure you replied miss steele with quick ex we came post all the way and had this very smart beau to attend to us dr davies was coming to town and we thought he'd join him in the post chase and he behaved very genteely and paid ten or twelve shillings more than we did oh oh cried mrs jennings very pretty indeed and the doctor is a single man i warrant you there now said miss steele affectionately simpering everybody laughs with me about the doctor and i cannot think why my cousins think they are sure i've made a conquest but for my part i declare i never think about him from one hour's end to the other lord here comes your bow nancy my cousin said the other day when she saw him crossing the street to the house my bow indeed i cannot think who you mean the doctor's no bow of mine um ay ay that's a very pretty talking but it won't do the doctor's a man i see no indeed 
she replied with affected earnestness, and I beg you contradict it if you'll ever hear it talked of. Mrs. Jennings directly gave her the gratifying assurance that she certainly would not, and Miss Steele was made completely happy. I suppose you will go to stay with your brother and sister, Miss Dashwood, when they are come to town, said Lucy, returning after a succession of hostile hints to the charge. No, I don't think we shall. Oh, yes, I dare say you will. Eleanor would not humor her further in opposition. What a charming thing is it that Miss Dashwood can spare you both for so long a time together. Long time indeed, interposed Mrs. Jennings. Why, their visit is just but begun. Lucy was silenced. I am very sorry we cannot see your sister, Miss Dashwood, said, Mrs. said Miss Steele, but I am so sorry she's not well, for Marianne had left the room on their arrival. You are very good. My sister will be equally sorry to miss the pleasure of seeing you, but she's been very much plagued lately with a nervous headache which makes her unfit for company or conversations. Oh, dear, that is a great pity, but such old friends as Lucy and me, well, she might see us, and I'm sure we would not speak a word. Eleanor, with great civility, declined the proposal. Her sister was perhaps laid down upon the bed or in her dressing gown, and therefore not able to come. Uh, if that's oh wrong verse. If that's all, cried Miss Steele, we can go in and go see her. Eleanor began to find this impertinence too much for her temper, but she was saved the trouble of checking it by Lucy's sharp reprimand, which now, as on many occasions, did not give much sweetness of manners to one sister, and was the advantage in governing those the other. End chapter ten. Ha! I remembered which chapter it was. <laughs> yeah, knew yeah, they had to come back in the story at some point. Now we had Marianne's big disappointment and Eleanor's big disappointment. We're in the last, oh, I'd say we're in the last quarter of the book, just about. Generous quarter. We're in the last third of the book. Um, There you go, third is probably. You know, math, fractions, ratios, that was never my, that was never my strong suit. Anyway, we're in the last bit of the book. I'll just say that, and um, knew that they had to come back, and again, we're going to need to find out more, I'm sure, and, oh dear, I've just caused disaster in my wake. Okay, um, well, that chapter I don't need think needs a lot of wrapping up. I mean, Lucy Steele definitely still hates Eleanor and is pissed that Eleanor stayed in town. She probably thinks Eleanor stayed in town purposely to see Edward, um... She knows Eleanor is a rival, and she's been doing everything she can to warn Eleanor off. And Eleanor is having to pretend that she doesn't understand because you don't want to give people like Lucy Steele, you know, the satisfaction of feeling that they've, you know, warned you off. Oh, what a tiresome game. Poor Eleanor. So, anyway, the poor sisters, both of them are having their a tough time again. So, we, uh... We will see what shall happen tomorrow's chapter, or not tomorrow. Um, the next chapter is not so long, so we'll see how that goes. Um, and I'll hope you all have a wonderful, lovely weekend, and that, um, yeah, that you're all doing great.
and I'll talk to y'all next week.